live from the capital of the Commonwealth, this is the Sports Huddle with Bob Black on 1061 ESPN. We're also streaming live at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Call in and talk with Bob anytime at 327-0888. Now, here's Bob Black with the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN. Well, you know, I really would like to sit here for the next hour and just slice and dice and bemoan and cry in my beer about the Phillies' loss last night and the abrupt end of their season. But we've got much better things to do and to talk about in the one-hour edition of the Sports Huddle uh, on a Wednesday afternoon, on a sun-splashed Wednesday afternoon. Uh, My illustrious guest, who you're going to hear from in just a little bit, Came into the studio, and it's great to be in the studio today, and inadvertently rubbed a little salt in the wound. At least I hope it was inadvertently when he said, Bob, it's a beautiful day out there. It's a great day for baseball. And I'm like, come on, man. Baseball season is over. It is dead to me at this moment in time. So, yes, I would love to analytically slice and dice what happened to the Phillies all hour long. But we got a lot better things to talk about. The only thing that I will say is when your best players play their worst, it's really pretty hard to win. And when Kyle Schwarber, Trey Turner, Bryce Harper, and Nick Castellanos go a combined one for 28 in the last two games of the series, that's how you lose at home when you were seemingly invincible at home. The crowd can only do so much. They can't put the ball in play for you. You have to do that. And those four guys, unfortunately, reverted back to their midseason form, which wasn't very good, you may recall, until the Phillies really got it going after the All-Star break. And let's give some credit to Arizona as well. They executed a great game plan, I thought. I thought their pitching was outstanding. They threw to the spots they wanted to throw to. They didn't let Bryce Harper beat him in any crucial situation. And then their hitters had great game plans at the plate. And some of their young players, like a Corbin Carroll in his first postseason, he'll be the rookie of the year in the National League. He came through in the clutch. Cattell Marte came through. Gabby uh, Morales came through. As uh, Marino came through as well. Their outstanding catcher. And lo and behold, there go the Arizona Diamondbacks to the World Series doing something nobody thought that they could do, especially after they fell behind two games to none in Philadelphia. And then they came back to take two out of three in Arizona. Still, nobody, yours truly included, thought they could win twice at Citizens Bank Park. And they pulled it off, and they earned it, and they deserve that shot at their second World Series title. And they go up against the Texas Rangers beginning Friday night in Arlington. And look, I know the narrative. Last point on this. We'll pick up more on it tomorrow. Um, Nobody cares about the World Series this year. Well, I would say maybe nobody east of the Mississippi cares about the World Series this year, but they certainly will in Phoenix, Arizona, and in the Dallas-Fort Worth-Arlington area of Texas. And look, so that we don't have an East Coast bias here, those are two of the top 10 markets in the country. The ratings are going to be horrible. We know that. It really does not have the allure, the drama, all of that, the subplots, the headlines that a World Series normally does. But those two cities are going to be all in, and they're two of the major cities in the country. So let's not have the entire East Coast bias here and say nobody cares about the World Series. That's not true. It's not the marquee matchup 
that most baseball or casual baseball people probably would have liked to have seen over the next 10 days or so. But let's give it a chance and see what kind of World Series it will be. And, and I'll admit, it certainly won't be must-see TV for me now that my team is out of it and that there is no East Coast team in the World Series this year, but I will find time to watch it, believe me, and see who comes out on top. And look, for everybody that says, oh, we get tired of the same old teams in the Super Bowl or in the World Series, here you go. Baseball's got two basically fresh newcomers that will battle for the World Series championship. Arizona Diamondbacks going after their second-ever World Series and the Texas Rangers going after their first-ever World Series championship. Who do you want? Who do I want? That's a Is great question. No, it's it's not too soon. Um, it's a great question. I'm not sure if I really have a passionate rooting interest. I guess I would say Arizona. Yeah, I have I no Arizona. I have no hatred for Arizona. I have no vitriol for Arizona. They played better when they had to play better, and they won the games. They deserve to win the games that they won. So I don't have any bitterness toward Arizona, and I likewise don't have anything against the Texas. I could be an umpire for this series, probably better than the umpires they've had on the field. But that's a whole other story. But I could probably be an umpire in this series, AJ, because I really don't care who wins. How about you? Yeah, I like Arizona's story going from nil to to being in this position. Okay, so. yeah, I don't, I don't blame you for that. I could root for Arizona. I think the story is great. And, hey, they beat the Phillies, so at least the Phillies will say we lost to the World Series champions. It's very small consolation. But I could lean that way, and yet if Texas wins it, I'm not going to lose any sleep like I did last night. I think it's better for baseball if Texas wins, though. Why is that? I just uh, I know the hype down there in, in Texas and, and the fact that even though Texas is a football state, there are a lot of Ranger fans down there, more than Astro fans. Mm-hmm. So I think the Rangers winning, I think it's going to be a bigger deal. All right, we'll talk more about that moving on. Great question, though. All right, hopefully you've been with us this afternoon. You know Matt Josephs was down in Charlotte at ACC Basketball Tip-Off and the media session, and he did some great interviews. I think he did about 15 interviews today. Many of you heard some of them between three and and 5 o'clock, and I've got one I want to play right now, and then we'll get into our guest, John Hart, Richmond Athletic Director, is with us. Regular visit with Mr. Hart. He'll join us for a couple of segments. We'll talk all things Richmond and college athletics, but I want to get one more of Matt's interviews in. The ones that he didn't play between 3 and 5, and the one I'm about to let you hear, we'll play the rest of them as time unfolds and we get into the college basketball season, which is less than two weeks away, and all of them will be on our website as well at ESPNRichmond.com, and he talked to several players, many of the coaches, uh, Tony Bennett and Mike Young and Jim Laranega and Adrian Autry, the new head coach at Syracuse, he had on in the 4 o'clock hour. So they're all on our website and our audio vault at ESPNRichmond.com. All right, he left me with this one today, and I think this one's going to be really interesting. This is his conversation with Armando Baycott, who, of course, is local to our area, played three years of his high school ball at Trinity Episcopal before going off to that IMG Academy and then to Carolina. And twice now, Armando Baycott, has resisted the temptation of leaving Carolina and going pro, whatever that means. He came back for his senior season, didn't go great for the Tar Heels last year after the Final Four run, didn't even make the NCAA tournament. He had a great year. He averaged a double-double, 16-10, and and then he elected to come back even another year for his fifth season, the pandemic COVID-19 year. So he is back for one more go-around with the North Carolina Tar Heels and all of that in this conversation that Matt Joseph's had just a little bit earlier today with North Carolina's Armando Baycott. 
We're here at ACC tip-off in Charlotte. This is my this is the interview I'm looking forward to the most because I've watched this guy since he was deciding <laughs> where he was going. He came to our studio. Uh, joining us now from North Carolina, Armando Baycott. What's going on, Armando? What's up, man? Good to see you again. It's been a long time, it, right? It, you look a completely different from that when you walked <laughs> into our studio many years ago and we're still deciding. Uh, what would you tell that person sitting in my studio a couple years ago? What's, like, the best advice you would have given him? You won't even believe where you got to. I mean, it's pretty crazy. Um, was there ever a doubt you were coming back this year? No, definitely how the uh, last season ended. I mean, it was a no-brainer for me to come back. I didn't want to leave those fans and the UNC fans with me. this being their last thought of me, like having a losing season at UNC and not getting to where we want to and reaching my goals. So it was a no-brainer for me to come back. Can you best articulate what went wrong last year? Did you guys almost buy into your hype too much? I mean, I think it was a mix of a lot of different things, and I think we just never really got on track how we should. But, I mean, this year we got a whole new team with a whole, a whole lot of new guys and new faces, so we're super excited. How important is it for you to be the leader of this team? I mean, it's huge because, like I said, we're bringing in a lot of new guys, so I got to get them acclimated with the Carolina family and the way and how everything goes. But it's been pretty seamless because we got a lot of great guys who want to win and are competitive, so they fit in right perfectly. Uh, you were named the preseason AP First Team All-American. How do you kind of process all these honors that you're getting and kind of still stay humble, even though everybody thinks and knows you're going to be awesome this year? Yeah, I mean, I really don't even think about it, honestly, because at the end of the day, it's just a projection, and it hasn't happened yet. So I want to make it happen and then get excited versus, you know, just them telling me what it possibly could be. What did you work on this offseason? Really everything. I mean, watched a lot of film, looked at the things I didn't do good last year, and been just looking at them and figuring out ways how to be better at them. What was – give me – is there an example maybe? Like was there a play or a game where you yeah, felt like I something? Mean, in a lot of games, I got double teamed and triple teamed a lot last year, so I've just been trying to focus on the reads and how to respond in certain moments with that and just trying to perfect it. Uh, this year, your non-conference, you're going to the Bahamas. What's that going to be like? That's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, I played in the Battle for Atlantis my freshman year, and it was just great, and it was really competitive, a lot of great teams. So I think for us, it's going to be huge for us to get those, stack those early quad one wins. So later on in the season, we're not looking back at it like, oh, if we just won that game, we would have been in the tournament and et cetera. How important is it to build the chemistry off the court? Obviously, you're building chemistry during practice on the court, but, like, you know, what do you do with these guys off the court? Yeah, I mean, off the court, we've been hanging out a lot. We've been doing all those things, and it's brought us a lot closer. And I think this year has been probably the closest I've been with the team. And, I man, it says a lot about the new guys that we got, that they can come into a different environment and just come in just like their family. Uh, Roy Williams used to do a thing where sometimes he'd schedule road non-conference games for, like, his seniors so they can go home. Did that ever come up? Were you ever going to play Richmond or VCU for this uh I should have negotiated that, but honestly, like, I don't know if I want to go play in VCU because it's just a trap game. Like, going in the Seagull Center, like, teams don't particularly do well doing that. So, honestly, like, it would be my dream to play at the Seagull Center, obviously VCU being my second college team. But uh, I understand it, too. Like, VCU, I don't know if that's a place. Seagull Center, that's a tough place to play. How much do you still keep in touch with your 804 guys? All the time. I mean, my mom, dad all still live there, and, I mean, all my family lives in Richmond. And, I mean, at the end of the day, I am Richmond. The city loved me. I love the city, so I'm always keeping in contact with all my Richmond people. So I got to keep track of all your NIL stuff. Are you still with the seafood place? 
Yes. Okay. Uh, what else do you have in your in your in your NIL portfolio? I mean, Crocs, Dunkin' Donut, Mifon. I mean, Dunkin a bunch of different Donuts, things. Donuts, huh? Yep. Are you a coffee person or more the, the 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 donuts and the muffins and stuff? Coffee every day. Got to get my coffee. Okay. Do you order? How do you order it? I get a medium iced latte, half caramel, half vanilla. That's my order. Oh, they, how come they haven't named it after you then, or have they? Well, in Chapel Hill, they got the Armando drink, something oh, do like they? that. Yep. Okay. Yeah. All right. Last question, because obviously we're Eagles fans. Uh, what do you think of our birds this year? Man, I mean, I'm impressed that we're six and one and have been struggling. I think, offensively and defensively, I think we've been sloppy, particularly on the offensive end. Just Jalen. Hurts in his giveaways, but I think it's encouraging, though, us only having one loss and winning against, like, a Miami team and a Rams team that are solid teams, and we haven't even really figured out everything about our team yet. So I'm excited for us and feel good about us. We just uh, added Kevin Bayard from the Titans, which was a huge pickup, and, I mean, Howie Roseman and his ability to just keep getting guys and finding guys has been great, and Nick Sirianni and uh, Tush Push and everything. I mean, it's a great year. Are you still sad your guy Carson can't find a job? It sucks, man. I would like to. I would have loved to see him go to the Jets and try that out. But I mean, who knows, man? I still love Carson Wentz, man. I can't get over him. Well, good luck, Armando. I'm sure we'll catch up with you during the season. Thanks so much. Appreciate you. Everything was great there until he said, "I still love Carson Wentz." Oh, come on, Armando. But we love you being a local guy and love that you're back for one more try at this thing at the college level. Great interview there between uh, Matt Josephs and Armando Baycott. And again, all of his interviews will be on our website at ESPNRichmond.com. And the ones that we didn't play today between three and now, uh, we'll both kind of filter in on our programs here in the next few days leading up to the start of college basketball season on Monday, November 6th. It is less than two weeks from tip-off. We're going to talk about some of that and much more on this abbreviated edition of the Sports Huddle, so let's get you going at 5.15 on a Wednesday afternoon. These are this afternoon's top sports stories. I'm sure he'll be fascinated by all the uh, stories you have to tell. This is today's Drive Home Headlines. Drive Home Headlines brought to you by James River Air. If you're not happy with your heating and cooling system, give James River Air a call or check them out online at jamesriverair.com. I'm not going to dawdle around here. I'm not going to waste any time. I'm just going to tell you that John Hart, Richmond Athletic Director, is in for one of his regular appearances with us. We are in the studio this afternoon, and we're going to talk all things Richmond and college athletics for the next couple of segments on the program and then we'll finish it up to get you to the top of the hour at six o'clock so let's get the break in here we'll come back with john hart richmond athletic director sports huddle 1061 espn dallas cowboys all season is 1061 espn brought to you by arthur's electric and park and go i'm an earlier was not to drive the phillies <laughs> anyway okay. you know i have fondness for the the team from brother of uh, brotherly love but it's just such a beautiful day here in richmond that uh I couldn't help but come in from outside and mention how baseball-like the weather is right now. So. You know who's going to pick on me the most? Aaron Roussel. Is that right? Oh, yeah. He's so jealous of all us Philly people <laughs> in the Robin Center. We had this breakfast with him and some of our season ticket holders last week, and he made several points about, oh, how much he loves Philly and all the Philly people, but he's getting tired of hearing him talk about all this winning. Well, what do you expect? He's a Cubs fan. Yes, you know? he is. If anyone's been used to losing for a long time. There you go. You know, 
I mean, I, I, I've got a fondness for the Cubs, too, but I know that Aaron's been a lifelong yeah. Cubs fan. So. He was kidding a little bit because he's got some players in the Philly area, and he knows how important the recruiting uh, niche is up there in Philly. But, yeah, he was shaking his head a little bit. This was a week or so ago, and all things were going well in Philadelphia. Yeah, and well. uh, It's Philly doing Philly things. But let's not go there. Baseball can be that way. You know, it my, can. My twins looked like they could make mm-hmm. a little noise in the postseason, yep. and it came and it went. and Yep. <laughs> and so, as you said earlier, we move on to basketball and football. So and Spider just... football has won five of the past six, John, after a slow start. What are you seeing there for the Spider football program that actually still has them, us, in the conversation for postseason as we get ready to flip the calendar to November? Well, I think we're starting to see the team that we thought we were going to see when the season started. And uh, I think some of it is due to transition. I think critically uh, with a quarterback situation, being a little bit of musical cheers to start the season. Uh, that was a tough one for us to overcome. I also think, you know, we had a new offensive coordinator situation and there were some wrinkles that needed to get ironed out. Some terminologies were a little bit different. And then you just had, uh, you know, that huddle leadership, which is so critical. And just when I thought uh, Wickersham was getting his legs underneath him, you know, he gets knocked out uh, with that injury. Um, and, uh, away we go but I think it's settled down to the point matter of fact I kind of like where we are with the two quarterback approach they definitely give us a dynamic that uh, is going to be problematic for some of the defenses that uh, that face us I also think on the defensive side of the the ball we're playing really well uh, I, I think there's still and, and I think coach Huseman would agree with this I think there's still plenty of work for us to do but uh, we've got talent. I mean, that's not our issue. We just need to cut down on mistakes and execute better. Do you find yourself every once in a while being a fan and thinking the way I know Spider fans are thinking about the way this season has gone? Heck, some of the Spider broadcasters are thinking this way too, but how much you look back and how frustrating it was for those two losses at the start of the season to Morgan State and to Hampton. No doubt about it. I, You know, I'm AD, but I'm a, I'm a huge Spider fan, and I – I felt bad for it. You know, I talked to the staff. I talked to the players. They they were scratching their heads a little bit, you know. I mean, it wasn't as if they weren't prepared. It wasn't, they just weren't executing. And, uh, you know, you don't get any do-overs, no, no mulligans in, in the football season. I think it's been incredible the resilience that we've shown and the way we've been able to get on track and uh, create some momentum. And, you know, here we are, three games left. Things set up pretty nicely for us to – be in the mix and make some noise and, and maybe have a shot still at making the NCAA tournament. Hey, and how about maybe winning the crown still in the CAA? So, you know, things would have to fall our way. The ball in football takes funny bounces, but I think we're pretty well positioned. And I know at the start of the season, we wouldn't have seen those losses that we're referring to in our future, but we probably would have felt pretty good about being, you know, five wins right now. And, uh, having a home matchup on homecoming against Campbell, and then an off week to uh, to prepare to close out the season with Elon and William and & Mary. So, you know, again, we're going to have to play better than we have played, but I think we're capable of it. So let's keep that fan hat on for a moment because the next item on the fan list will be to look ahead. What could happen by the end of the season? You still have one unbeaten team. Delaware is 4-0. and And then there are, what, four teams with one loss. Richmond, Elon, Villanova, and Albany. Uh, can you look into that crystal ball and wonder 
How many teams can the CAA get in this year? Well, it's it's a tough it's a tough one to see clearly because you know we don't play a round robin, and we're we can control our own destiny with Elon, but you know as far as Albany and uh, Delaware are concerned. Now, granted, everybody does have some tough league mm-hmm. games ahead of them, uh, and that includes the Spiders. I mean, I I think Elon's going to be tough. I think Campbell's going to have a a dynamic that we haven't seen this season. I think they're pretty potent offensively. And I think William & Mary, you know, they've had their ups and downs, but I think they're a, a very good program and with a very good team. And uh, we'll, we'll just see who's there at the finish. I mean, uh, Delaware, you know, they're they're undefeated in the league, but they've got, you know, their, their uh, rivalry game with uh, Villanova left, and they've got to play Elon as well, mm-hmm. I believe. So those are two tough teams. I, I, I think it could go... I don't know, half a dozen ways, if not more. Uh, the good news, though, is we're talking about the top teams in the league, and we're among them. And so we're going to have our shot. we just got to take care of business and uh, control our own destiny and, and, and win these ball games. Don't sleep on this Campbell team. I'm not saying that to you. You know it, but I'm saying that to Spider fans that are listening because you go, oh, Campbell, new team in the league. They're in the Big South, but – Wow, they've got an offense that is explosive, is quick, is powerful. And, John, they brought in 28 transfers and had an opportunity today in prepping for the telecast on Saturday to talk with their head coach, with Mike Minter, who was two-time NCAA champion at Nebraska and played for the Carolina Panthers. He's a defensive guy, but he's got a great offense. And he said, look, we did this because we made the move to the CAA. We looked at it and saw we can't compete with the guys we have that are Big South players, we need to go get better players. 28 transfers. Could you ever envisioning having to do something like that? Well, and and particularly in the CAA, this is sort of new territory. We haven't seen a team do this before. Uh, I don't know. Like I guess, I guess we'll see. Uh, the proof will be in the pudding, as they say, right? Um, that's a lot of new faces that uh, have to learn a lot of new terminology, new offense, new defense, special teams. Um with that said, you know, Campbell's got a winning record right now. They have been able to score on some pretty darn good teams. Uh, I, I think we're going to have to get on track offensively and show what our offense can do if we're going to have a, a good shot in defeating uh, Campbell this Saturday. I think, I think we can, but that's, uh, that really seems to be their Achilles heel. Are you okay where the Spider football program is right now in the transfer world and the transfer portal uh, with the guys who go out of the portal and the way Coach Usman and his staff are bringing guys in from the portal? Well, I don't think you're ever going to see us get into the dozens of uh, transfers coming and going. Uh, I I am okay with it. Uh, Richmond has a a lot of appeal uh, because we play, you know, top flight FCS football, certainly. But we're also one of the best uh, academic uh, options in, in the country. And so when prospects and their families choose to, to become spiders and choose to uh, you know, enroll at Richmond and be on our roster, they're also choosing to pursue that Richmond degree, which they put a tremendous amount of value on. So once you've made uh, the, that commitment and then are a couple of years in, the idea of hitting the uh, transfer door uh, a lot of times isn't as appealing as it might be at other places that doesn't have the strong commitment with that academic piece. Now, with that said, it is, it's part of the reality we're living in right now, so we will continue to see players coming and a few going. Uh, what we've seen clearly in the football program is usually players 
They like to stay here, get that degree, and then they take that, that fifth year mm-hmm. and they look around and see if there's some options to play up. And, uh, you know, I think Kobe Turner's success at Wake Forest after he got his Richmond degree, um, it caught a lot of people's attention on, uh, in our program, including mine. I mean, wow. And it's hard to fault a player after they, you know, do everything you ask them to do for, for four years and then transfer out when they get a tremendous opportunity to play up, for example, in an ACC program like Wake or, you know, go to uh, a, a Big Ten program or any of those uh, mm-hmm. Power Five programs. Mm-hmm. Hey, a couple more on the football front, then we'll take a break and we'll talk a little basketball because it is right upon us. And I'm trying to remember and ask questions that fans have brought my way at the coaches' show or on road trips or that sort of thing. And we were touching on it a little bit before you came on and, and you alluded to it as we were talking about games coming up and, and who you, who's playing who. The scheduling model in the, in the CAA, how much of a challenge is that in a 16-team league coming next year to try and get the right schedule to help not only Richmond, but other schools in the league to be in a position to get to the postseason. I'll tell you, it, everybody's got their issues with 16 teams. That's a lot of football programs. That's a lot of coaches. That's a lot of ADs. And uh, we all know that we're not going to be fully satisfied, and there's going to be compromises made and decisions made. But but it's tough when you have a season like this season, and we don't play traditional rivals like, like Delaware and Villanova, um, two very good programs that we have long history with and that, uh, you know, we, we care about those rivalries. So to have uh, that happen is difficult. And, and, you know, Campbell, with all due respect, a lot of people don't know about Campbell because mm-hmm. we've never played them before. Mm-hmm. And so this is uh, truly a whole new ball game in a series with zero contest between us. So, you know, it, it's, it's difficult for all of us. I mean, I'm not going to kid you for a second, Bob. Um, would I rather be playing our traditional rivals every season? You bet I would. And I've, uh, I've made that, that uh, perspective known. But, again, we're uh, one of 16 voices now, and uh, you can't listen to everyone and give them everything they want. And so, you know, we're, we're going to see how this year, you know, goes, and we'll evaluate. And then I'm optimistic we can create new rivalries. But I'm not kidding myself either. Like right now, the number one question I've had for the last two weeks, Campbell, what, what do you know about him? And, and, and the truth of the matter is not a lot other than what we've talked about earlier. I, I don't think you want to underrate him. I, mm-hmm. I think you don't want to overlook him because I think they're a program – that is successful now and can bite you if you uh, aren't prepared and executed. And they think they can still get to the postseason. They they think they have three losses. If they run the table, they could get there. So they've got a lot at stake. So I think on the field, you're going to be impressed by the battle that we get. I don't mean you. I mean the audience that we're talking to. And it very well could be the Campbell offense against the Richmond defense on Saturday and, and be a very entertaining game. And beyond that, John, you got homecoming. You've got Hall of Fame weekend. We're inducting five new members into the University of Richmond Hall of Fame, two of whom are football players. And you've got the 15-year anniversary celebration of the 2008 National Championship. Well, in addition, something new. We're doing a Spider Evening, which uh, is going to be a celebration in the Millheiser Green right after uh, we do the Hall of Fame induction ceremony, which should be a ball. I mean, mm-hmm. three different uh, musical acts are performing. There's going to be a light show. Uh, so if you've got some some opportunity to get to campus Friday evening, I hope people will come out and join us. The weather will be great for spider evening as opposed to baseball. 
absolutely. Much better for That's spider eating. Exactly right. <laughs> Take a break. When we come back on the other side, we're going back indoors because the weather is going to get colder. And we'll talk some spider basketball with Richmond Athletic Director John Hart as the sports huddle continues. 1061 ESPN. If you're looking for compassion, you may have come to the wrong place. Matt Josephs isn't mincing words. He's a coward. We can no longer call him Riverboat Ron. And while he may believe in luck. Of course, there are things that you got lucky about. He's here to tell you what you need to hear. Weekday afternoons from 3 to 4 on 1061 ESPN Richmond. Traffic. Uh, let's get into some college basketball talk with Richmond Athletic Director John Hart for this segment. And, of course, during the break, we were chatting about it already. Men's side, John, get the program when you come into the Robin Center because, like many college basketball programs, the roster has changed over. Coach Mooney has talked about it many, many times. It's not the way he really wants to go. He'd rather have the four-year guys and the freshmen. But in this day and age, you got to compete and you got to go into that portal. And here are the Spiders with three more transfers this year, right? Yeah, I, you know, I got to confess, I've been to a number of practices, and I'm impressed with the talent level. Um, we've got a lot of pieces that look like they could be part of a successful season. But I'm not quite sure how they're going to all come together. And mm-hmm. I think that's not unusual for this time of the season and preseason. But with so many newcomers, I don't know how that blend's going to be yet with uh, the returning guys. Um, like I say, in practice, we look great. We might know a little bit more after uh, you know another scrimmage uh, that uh, we've got scheduled with Virginia Tech. I think that'll be you know a, a telling preseason. Uh, episode, if mm-hmm. you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, but otherwise, I think everyone's just going to have to wait and see, and we're going to have to come out and, you know, when we tip it off against VMI, I think we'll start to get some answers. The guys in the backcourt, the new backcourt duo, seem to have made an early splash. Delani Hunt and Jordan King, a couple of S's there, scoring and speed for those two guys, right? Very impressive. You, you can't hardly watch a, a practice without immediately noticing that we're, we're quick and we're fast. And those two fellas look like they can uh, put it in the, in the hoop. Um, what about the three transfers coming back? So this was not a situation where we went out and got one-year transfers. These are guys that had multiple years coming back. And the progress, because you're going to need – Coach Mooney is never going to need all three of these guys, right? I mean, Neil Quinn, Isaiah Bigelow, and Jason Roach. Well, we were talking during the break. Uh, I think Neil Quinn is showing great signs of leadership. I think he's playing in practice more aggressively, which is what we were looking to, to get out of him last year. So I don't think you're going to see those 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 times on the court where he was tentative last season being repeated. But again, you know we're practicing against ourselves, so we'll have to see what we do against competition. And I think uh, Bigelow and Roach, uh, you know, they had their moments last season where were very impressive during the games. And it's just to me, it's going to be how the the team dynamic and how they play with uh, a new group, um, how that evolves and if it evolves quickly. But I think I think very talented uh, roster. Very talented. There roster. are two guys that I am really rooting hard for. I root for all our guys. I, I like them all, obviously. But there are two guys for varying reasons that I hope are really successful and really help the team. Jai Bailey. 
being one because he has stuck it out through a lot of thick and thin, through injuries, through playing, through not playing, through position changes. Um, and I think there are a lot of fans that thought, man, he might be one that might go into that transfer portal. He hasn't. And he stuck it out. And I certainly hope he's rewarded. And then Aiden Noyes is the guy I think is flying under the radar. Unless you're one of those folks who sneaks in and watches some practice and you see how good he's been in practice, that he could really be a contributor on this team. Yeah, I, I think those are two great uh players to focus on. Bailey's been a little snake bit when it comes mm-hmm. to the injury bug. You know, just when he showed signs on the court of delivering on the promise, he comes down with an injury and that's been a tough break and they've been unrelated. So it's not as though it's a chronic situation. Um, yeah, I, I guess we'll just have to see. You know, I I, I wish I could uh, have that crystal ball we were talking about earlier, but that is the, the thrill of a new season. I mean, it's so exciting to think that uh, you know, two weeks we're going to be tipping off a new basketball season, both with the men and the women, and uh, hope springs eternal right now. It really does, and I'm I'm optimistic. I think we're going to be talented. There are so many unknowns across the A10 right now that mm-hmm. uh, I mean everybody's in a little bit different version of what we're experiencing with with the transfer portal and uh, influx of uh, transfers in and 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 out. So had, had, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, how do you feel about the non-conference schedule? You mentioned VMI to start it. There are some challenges there. You get an ACC team in Boston College. You're down in that Florida uh, tournament with Colorado, Florida State, and UNLV. Um, Got to go out to Wichita State and Northern Iowa. I mean, there are some challenges here. Well, if Chris were sitting here, he'd tell you the toughest thing in a head coach's responsibilities today is, is scheduling uh, non-conference games and mm-hmm. particularly scheduling up against uh, Power 5 and uh, Big East teams just because, uh, you know, most of those leagues, they really don't have to schedule many games against uh, tougher opponents, and they don't. <laughs> and so there's mm-hmm. there's a bit of a, you know, a, a paucity of opportunities out there. So you gotta you got to capitalize on them when you have them. And I think, you know, we've, we've got a, a, a nice schedule. It's a balanced schedule, and it's a schedule if we have success uh, playing those games that we could play ourselves into a tournament situation. But we gotta, you know, we got to win some of those big games. How are you feeling about the Atlantic 10 in general? We had Loyola Chicago last year, so they'll be in their second year. I think we all saw or heard the rumor that was out there on Twitter today about the AAC having serious talks with VCU about bringing them in. How do you feel about the stability maybe right now of the Atlantic 10, not to mention the talent level? I think the A-10's really one of the attractive things features of it is it's been so stable uh, recently. And uh, I think, uh, you know, with 15 members, um, we're, we're in a good position. I think we're playing at a high level collectively, but that right now with the transfer portal situation and, and the name image likeness situation, everybody's in a, in a much more fluid roster situation than they've ever seen mm-hmm. before. And that uh, includes every single program within the league. Um, I thought it was it was interesting last year welcoming uh, Loyola to the league. I think there were high hopes in Chicagoland about among the Loyola faithful, and I think um, they got a firsthand uh, experience of just how competitive the league is, top to bottom. And there are no easy nights, uh, and it's always difficult to get a win on the road in this league. Mm-hmm. And I don't think any of those things are going to change uh, this uh, 
this season. So I'm looking forward to it. Hey, how about a word or two on the women's program that was coming off of a breakthrough season last year, a 20-win season, a post-win season, a win in postseason in the WNIT, and maybe Aaron Russell is the outlier in all this because he's got a lot of that team back. He brought in a couple couple of three transfers, one unfortunately is not going to play, but he's got a lot of familiar names back, and I think he feels like the Spiders will be in the upper echelon and in the conversation in the A-10. Yeah, I think Coach Russell feels, uh, you know, cautiously optimistic because that's just his nature, Mm -hmm. but I do think he's, he's optimistic, and I think he's got a great returning uh, group of players who uh, are seasoned veterans and uh, have shown that they can compete and compete successfully and at a high level in the A-10. So I, uh, you know, you always got to stay healthy and you got to, you know, you got to live up to your potential. But I think potentially we'll be one of the better teams in the A-10 this season. Certainly looking forward to it. It all tips off Monday, November 6th. First time teams can play. Spider-Men are home against VMI. The women will actually play one of the first games in the country because that's the first day you can play. And they're playing an 11 a.m. game at Cameron Indoor Stadium against Duke. They will be on the road at Duke. And I think they would like to uh, – write a different chapter in that that series than what we saw last, last year, season yeah. but I also think that motivates you know our team and our coach to be uh preparing for the Blue Devils finish up here John because this half hour whatever it is 40 minutes always goes so quickly personal side of things how are you handling everything in college athletics these days I don't think this is the job you signed up for even before Richmond let alone since you've just been at Richmond and handling the changing times anyone who's worked with me will will confirm that one of my favorite sayings in life is you know the great ones adjust and we are definitely in a period of adjustment in almost uh every single important way um it's um it's it's a, a new era uh it was down uh, at a fundraiser uh and uh coach mooney and coach bennett and coach odom uh were all in attendance and uh Jay Bilas listened to what they had to say, and he just made a declaration to those in the room. This is a new era starting now, moving forward in Mm -hmm. college athletics, and you either are going to adjust to it and adjust successfully, or you're going to get left behind. And so we're making those adjustments just like everyone else is, Uh, but it's very different, Bob, as, as you're alluding to. We didn't have a transfer portal. We didn't have name, image, and likeness issues, uh, and and those two in combination have really changed the dynamics, particularly in uh, the basketball world, in ways that were completely unforeseeable, you know, four or five years ago. Um, and and I think with conference realignment, mm-hmm. uh, whoever would have thought we'd see within an, a few short weeks a, a league like the Pac-12 disappearing mm-hmm. i mean that's really remarkable and I, I, cal and stanford being in the acc unbelievable <laughs> just unbelievable yeah. so so you know you never can you, know, you never know you're you're never certain but what we are certain of is more changes coming and uh many of these things the transfer portal name image and likeness the new alignments they are part of the real landscape that we're going to have to navigate successfully and i know the spiders will so i'm excited about it but uh you're right this isn't what i thought uh <laughs> the future was going to hold for us well let's find out what the future is together moving forward john as always appreciate your time thanks for coming in the studio thanks bob my pleasure to be here with you
John Hart, Richmond Athletic Director, with us in studio. We'll be back with a quick goodbye to this afternoon's Sports Huddle after the break. 1061 ESPN. Spiders, well, you've got them. 1061 ESPN is your exclusive radio home for all things Spiders athletics in the River City all year long. A more traditional show is coming your way tomorrow. Not that today was bad. I think today was great, thanks to Matt Joseph's primarily hard working down there in Charlotte, getting all those ACC basketball interviews that you heard most of between 3 and 5, and then we ran one in the 5 o'clock hour with Armando Baycott. More of those to come, and as we said, they're on our website at ESPNRichmond.com as well and we thank john hart for stopping by today we could always go longer with john talk more not only richmond athletics but college athletics with him so appreciate him dropping by today uh sean robertson scheduled to co-host with me tomorrow we'll be back here in this studio to do that feel good thursday edition of the sports huddle coming up tomorrow afternoon back at our regular time from four to six and matt's back tomorrow afternoon here in studio from 3 until 4. AJ over there on the other side of the glass, thank you so much for producing everything today. The Matt Joseph's interviews and shows and our huddle as well. Thanks again to John Hart for coming in studio and talking some spider and college athletics with us. We'll catch up with you tomorrow afternoon. Sean Robertson joins me from CBS 6. Next sports huddle coming your way at 4 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. Enjoy the midweek evening tonight, everyone, and we'll talk to you tomorrow at 4 with the next edition of the Sports Huddle right here on 1061 ESPN. There's always next year. The heat of summer means one thing to sports.